Ask anyone who's hiring, it is a fierce market out there for talent. Today, we speak to a CEO who has successfully helped employers find the talent they need and explore with her what it takes to attract today's top candidates. I'm Matt Mowry, Executive Editor of Business NH Magazine. And I'm Nathan Carroll, Chief Growth Officer of Granite Media Group and founder of Cardinal Consulting. And welcome to BizCast NH. Hey, Matt. Yes. Um, done any hiring lately? <laughs> yes. The thankfully. New, new venture, Thankfully, yes. yeah. We, yes. so speaking of hiring, we at, at the at Granite Media Group for the magazine have a new staff writer. We do. Um, thankfully, we didn't have to spend months and months and thousands of dollars to find I that talented individual. so <laughs> relieved. I got so lucky in that, you know, we're connected with um, the Grand State uh, News Collaborative. And um, the head of that said, hey, I heard you're looking for a new staff writer because our, our former one um, was with us for four years, did a great job, decided she was uh, ready for a next step. So we were sad to see Judy go, uh, but she's still working with us as a freelancer. Mm, yeah, which is great. But I had that fear because I've been writing this about this for two years now, <laughs> about how horrible it is out there trying to find new talent. And I thought, oh, this is going to be so rough. And then I lucked out. It was like, I, this great writer and editor is, uh, a, we heard is available. I think you guys would be a good match. I had worked with him through the collaborative. I said, do you think that we have a shot here? And so I, he reached out to us. We had a good conversation. Yeah. Next thing I know, Scott Merrill is on our team. Yes, and um, I could not have been such a great experience. And I know that I'm very lucky because that's not the experience a lot of are employers so are having right so now. Oh, lucky. Well, and then we needed a graphic designer yeah. so that Christine wouldn't pull all of her hair out. And um, we found... Billy Bettner recently. Yes. And Billy is a talented graphic designer and photographer and just a really uh, interesting guy. So we've got two new folks on our staff. Um, and it's like, if you're just living in the bubble of Granite Media lately, it seems really easy to find talent, but it's not. It's not. <laughs> That's the one thing <laughs> across the board, doesn't matter what industry, when I talk to employers right now about what is their biggest challenges, mm. it's Workforce, mm -hmm. workforce, workforce. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's interesting to have been now on both sides sure. of that equation. Yeah. You know, um, you know, for the longest time, I was the employee and, you know, you look for new jobs and, um, you know, the job interview process is oh. such an interesting one to mm -hmm. go through on either end. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember... <laughs> One of my worst ones when I was out looking for a job, um, it was with this alternative publishing company uh, or the Seekers. So yeah, a lot of new agey <laughs> books and all that. And they're looking for an editor. And I'm like, you know, I'll, I'll look into it, you know? Mm -hmm. So I go for this interview. It was such a nightmare from beginning to end. Like it was the universe saying, not yeah, for you, right, not for you. Right. Like the, I met with the owner and, you know, she was kind of brusque and I'm like, oh, you know, we'll get to you know where as we go along yeah. here. Yeah. She's like giving me the tour of the office and you could just feel the stress emanating from everyone oh, no. as she enters the room. I'm like, that's not good. And then she introduces me to the person I'd be replacing and starts listing oh. off all the things that she did wrong. And I'm like, oh, <gasps> warning, Will Whoa. Robinson 
danger, yeah, danger, danger, Will Robinson. The ultimate one for me. And I knew, you know, it's part of the culture. It's new age. But part of the interview was her taking down, like, asking me all my birth date information, all that. And then she and this other person, who I don't think was HR. I don't know. Maybe she was the, you <laughs> know, the know fortune teller. <laughs> I do not know. But they got out this star chart. And they're, like, A really examining it with it. all my information. No. And then she goes, and I hear her going, oh, look at that. Oh, he's a tourist, and there's that. And she's like, oh, well, you either are going to really like me or really hate me. And in my mind, I'm going, oh, I already know which way I'm leaning right. here. Which way is the door? Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. They did not call me. I did not re- call them back. I was just like, okay, I think we both know. I, it was just such the strangest job interview I've oh ever God. had. But then, uh, being on the other side yeah. of the equation, hiring. Yeah. You've got this like limited window to try and get to know people. Oh my god. And just it's evaluate painful. are they not only have the skill sets I'm looking for, but are they the fit? And right. I think that's the most important question right. that sometimes people overlook yeah. is that fit. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You talk to a lot of folks and yes, they can, you know, write or they can edit or they can design or whatever. But is it going to work for the company? Are they, right. you know, the right type of human? And uh, just all of that stuff. And you have what, like an hour? Maybe maybe two hours if you interview them another time to like figure out if they're the right one. And maybe it's just that they interview really well. Right. You never know <laughs> if the person you interviewed is the person who's going to show up for yeah, the job. You're right. Like, or if they're going to just show up, period. If you're going to have this celebratory moment or, you know, you do your victory lap of like, I hired, awesome. <laughs> or you're going to be like, what have I done to right. myself? Or just sit with your hands <laughs> folded and don't show any emotion until you figure out exactly the situation. But, oh, my God. Yeah, it's a it's an up and down World, and um, I think, though, we're going, to, as we delve in with our guests this week, we will figure out um, how she's sort of um, helping folks in, uh, helping firms and businesses in a different way, and, and really um, uh, doing it in a way that f- helps them really find the right people, right. not just the good interviewers. So maybe we'll roll into that. Our guest this week is Christina Muse, CEO and founder of Wyndham-based Precision Talent Group a staffing agency focused on the life sciences, healthcare, and technology fields. Christina was named to the Staffing Industry Analyst 2022 Staffing 100 list, and Precision Talent Group was named to Business NH Magazine's number one company to watch in 2022. Christina served in faculty positions at Stonehill College and Merrimack College in Massachusetts. She has served as the Chief Financial Officer and Chief, o- Chief Operating Officer at Globalware Solutions and is an owner and past president of Medicus Healthcare Solutions. Christina holds a BA in accounting from Merrimack College, an MBA in finance from Bentley College, and a PhD in finance from Walden University. Christina, welcome. It is so nice to have you um, and and be in the presence of somebody who is obviously so accomplished, so focused on uh, educating yourself and and uh, and being a really an integral part of uh, the economy, the workforce. So really awesome to uh, now get some time to really dig into to who you are and, and this business that you have built. Well, thank you so much for having me here today. It's so wonderful to be here with you. I have so much, and I've told you guys separately and individually, I have so much admiration for what Business New Hampshire does for this community. And it really just puts a wonderful spotlight on people that work so hard in the state and just creates this wonderful community. So thank you for all you do. And thank you for inviting me here today. I'm oh, so gosh. excited. Well, it's it's our you. pleasure. Yeah. So um, 
you uh, we're going to let the cat out of the bag right away. Oh. You started a staffing agency just before the start of the pandemic. I did. Yeah, but apparently that's going well. So how the heck did you do that and why? Yeah, we kind of started <laughs> out that year and I had, you know, gone into a period. I, we had just, I had just left Medicus and mm-hmm. um, we had had a, a sale there and um, had started out and said, okay, let's really just do something for myself, something I love doing and something yeah. I really wanted to pursue and said, okay, this year it's going to be all about building and we're going to take some risks and we're going to build and it's going to be great. So we started out in February and that was our motto and put some wonderful people together that I had worked with before. And nice. we were really excited to show up every day in our little teeny tiny office <laughs> and uh, pick up the phone and make phone calls and figure things out as we went. And then very quickly, Build went to survival. Ooh. So it went to, uh, you know, in March when everything got shut down. And here we are in this brand new industry, trying mm. to figure out the industry, trying to figure out what it is that we're selling, trying to figure out how we're going to, you know, really create a wonderful service program for our clients clients um, and thinking that we were two weeks closer to, you know, everything opening back up, which really didn't happen for months and months and months. Mm. So we did do what most companies would not and probably should not do, but we (laughs) did. (laughs) And we ended up doubling down. And there was some more talent out there that were struggling in the companies that they were in, and we didn't want to lose out on that. So we said, let's put our heads down and believe that this country will come back and believe that we will figure things out Mm. um, and really do the work, knowing that we're not going to reap the rewards anytime in the short term. (laughs) Um, And it really worked. And we built this team and we did a ton of exploration and we figured things out so that when things did start to come back, we were really ready ready to hit the ground running. Wow. So can you talk about, so you established the business, the focus of it and the types of industries that you were looking to serve uh, as a staffing agency? Yeah. So we always knew that we were going to be three legs to the table. Mm -hmm. We always knew it would be life sciences, healthcare, and technology. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did decide to go in on one at a time. Um, oh, okay. And okay. we're in all three now, mm-hmm. but we hadn't expected to be in all three. We just always move faster than we plan. <laughs> nice. So we did go into life sciences. And, you know, it's really, it's so naive, but, you know, understanding that, you know, life sciences, we are the Silicon Valley of life sciences here in Cambridge. Mm. And when you really take a look at, you know, the 750 companies in one square mile, um, in Technology yeah. Square, it's a pretty amazing spot where biotech has really taken off. Right. So we figured life sciences would be a wonderful area for us to really figure out how to help. And we just loved hearing the stories of what some of these companies are doing, mm-hmm. whether it's through you know biological innovations or medical device innovations, and just the ways that these owners and these sometimes founders and sometimes mm-hmm. CEOs are so passionate about getting these solutions out there. So it really became so rewarding to really just have these exploratory conversations because we weren't putting any business together. So we might as well be curious, right? Yeah, right, right. You're, so, you're learning as you go, a little professional development while things are slow, as it were. Yeah, and just trying to figure out, like, what is it? You know, what does your product do? What mm. is it that you're trying to accomplish? So okay. as we started to kind of, it really created a culture of curiosity. Wow. Um, which is really carried with us today. So COVID really, as much as it, you know, could have killed us and probably should have killed us. Um, it really created a wonderful culture of curiosity and really trying to figure out what life sciences is all about and where the passion really stems from. Yeah, And I yeah. think people would have heard like, oh, they're in the life science industry, perfectly poised for a pandemic because that's the industry. But what was the reality that that industry faced as the pandemic hit? 
and how did that affect their staffing needs and when did things begin to change? Yeah, the reality is if you weren't in some of those large vaccine manufacturers, you really had to really find a spot of someone who had a need. And nobody's budgets were really established at that point. Mm. Everybody was wondering, okay, everybody just got sent home. We don't know when they're coming back. Mm. Everybody's budgets are on hold because we don't know what's happening with the world. And, you know, everybody was kind of on pause. So we just kept get, getting pushed off to, okay, we'll we'll talk at the turn of the year and we'll talk next quarter and all of that. So we just ended up, you know, just kind of following along and maintaining relationships and trying to create new relationships. And there was no face-to-face. I mean, everything changed. Everything changed from the way you were seeking business development to the way you were interviewing to the way we were trying to prepare our candidates for what you know, these new hiring managers were looking for, because all of a sudden, you weren't getting into a suit and going to an office to drive to an interview. All of a sudden, you were on a screen. (laughs) And believe it or not, it was so crazy. Like, we actually had to evolve and create guidelines for video interviewing, because we would have people that would interview and say, I don't think I want to hire that person. He has a bookshelf behind them, and there are no books on that bookshelf. Oh, my God. Or I don't like the books on their bookshelf. Wow. (laughs) It was really unbelievable. Or, you know, if you, you know, took a drink of, you know, coffee and, you Mm. know, you excuse yourself for, you know, some reason just for a pause, you know, that was subject to judgment. So it was, yeah, it was a really crazy time (laughs) as we went into 2021. And we really just had to try to try to find the best way to make sure that our candidates were getting noticed for their skill set. And our clients were getting re-educated because then it wasn't so much a feeling of what you're getting. So you're talking about, you know, one or two interviews from a referral. Mm. Now we're talking about, you know, 10 or 12 panel interviews that we're trying to pull together. So everything changed. And it actually probably worked to our advantage because we knew we didn't know what we didn't know. Mm -hmm. And we basically knew nothing. And so we were able to really get ahead of it by, you know, making sure that we were really listening. Like, what will it take to get you the perfect candidate? You know, from everything, from culture to distance to, you know, working. Because then all of a sudden everybody wants to work remote and nobody wants to get back into the office. So understanding, you know, what the needs were on either side became really, really important. And I think helped us to get really, really good at what we were doing. Now, obviously, I mean, you came into this new venture with experience in how to grow a very successful um, staffing uh, firm. I mean, Medicus, and we'll get into that, huge in the healthcare industry and grown right here in New Hampshire, which is a great success story. But what were you, how did you go about building your new firm that even though you are a known entity in staffing, this new firm, you were going into a new area of staffing. All of a sudden, this pandemic hits. How are you tracking down the right candidates? How are you making those connections um, with potential clients um, at a time when nobody's hiring and uh, people in the field are still getting to know you? Yeah, I mean, that's oh, that's such a multidimensional problem that we faced. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, No, luckily, we did come into the business with um, a couple of people that really understood the industry. And I had a network of people that were very, very helpful and surprisingly transparent for being in the same industry. And I think it really became this almost community of staffing companies that everybody really does want to help each other because you want to create a reputation in the staffing industry for being reputable, for doing the same things, for doing some things with consistency and differentiating yourself 
in your own way. So we had, I had a lot of, you know, support and guidance. I had a wonderful team that, you know, I had worked with before for the most part. Um, and we just really went to basics. You know, we tried to get as many phone calls out there as possible. We, you know, emailed, you know, to, for visibility. We tried to do the things on the branding part. So we really went to basics and really just doubled down on that relationship piece of it. That was really the biggest thing is letting people know who we were, letting people know what we were all about. So when it came time, there was enough of a relationship there that they would think of us. Mm. And that was the important thing. Because when you're in a mature industry like this, everybody already has their partners. Right, right. right. So you have to enter at a point that are they having a problem with their partner, partner or are they at a point that they want to give a new firm an opportunity? Mm. So really just focusing on the relationships was probably the biggest differentiator for us. And we had plenty of time to do it because we weren't doing anything else. <laughs> well, and then at yeah, what point does that, did things start to change? Because once they did, there's a reason you were number one on the list. I mean, it measures growth. Yeah. Um, and your firm just took off big time. So can you talk about what was that inflection point? And then how have you managed that massive growth as you've gone along here? Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. It came from a couple of different um, areas. So first of all, it was shocking what a difference it was to start up versus walk into a company that, although it might not have been on a huge growth trajectory, it was an established company that there were certain things you didn't have to create and you didn't have to think about. Right. Mm. So starting up was very difficult because you're putting a whole bunch of things in place that you're trying to really create a smooth road and just eliminate the speed bump so that right. the team can do what the team needs to do. Right. So as we went forward, um, you know, we really just tried to really focus on um, eliminating the speed bumps and that's going to create more growth. And that would have been my role in the company, making mm-hmm. sure that all of those things were in place. And then really focusing in on the sales team, making sure that they knew exactly what they were going to do and, you know, and making sure that the delivery team knew what they were going to do. So everybody really had their their role and everybody, it was such a small company at the time that you could be super focused. We, within six weeks, we were back in the office because we couldn't do the remote. It was mm-hmm. just too important for us all to be super communicated um, and just really interacting on a day-to-day basis. That's what's right for the clients. That's what's right for the candidates. We right. want to spin the chair and say, what's going on with mm. John Smith and what's going on with ABC Life Science Company? And that really, I think that, differentiated us and that actually helped us to move faster than any other company who were waiting for Zoom calls or waiting for the morning meeting or whatever it may be. So we're incredibly dynamic and by the time I think it was early June, we were just like, that's enough in the office. (laughs) (laughs) We can do this. Yeah. (laughs) So um, I think that helped a lot because I think it just made us a tighter team Mm -hmm. and it really helped us to really move forward quickly. Mm -hmm. And then we really we have a team that was so good in healthcare that we crossed over into healthcare almost by hobby, and it became such a strong growth division for us. Um, so we started placing nurses, and that, when you talk oh about... Boy. Yeah, when you talk about being <laughs> oh in the boy. right place at the right time yeah. there, that was it. Wow. Um, so we really started placing travel nurses, mm-hmm. which there was such a huge need, continues yeah. to be a huge need, mm-hmm. um, and we really started to really break out that division as well. So having the two divisions going and having the two, two divisions growing at the trajectories that they were growing was just a multiplier effect, which was you know, the timing of it was just amazing. So having the expertise to do the healthcare piece of it fairly easily, and then having the life science piece of it, which was really a new division, so required a lot more work to get into it, um, is really what I think really helped the growth. And that diversification was a huge multiplier. 
I want to maybe, you know, go a little bit nuts and bolts here a little bit, but um, in terms of, you know, you're talking about you know, this startup and building this startup, um, you've got obviously these life science companies that have a need. Um, how are you also finding the individuals who need a job or a career change? Um, is that simply through the marketing that you're doing or are there other channels and relationships that are bringing the folks, the people to you so that you can bring them to the companies? Yeah, you know, there are a lot of networking tools online and mm-hmm. we take advantage of those. Um, and a lot of times, I'll never forget when I first started in staffing and I asked the same exact question to one of our top recruiters, right? And I said, you know, how are you finding these at the time physicians? He's like, I pick up the phone and I call them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Okay. Oh, all right. right. I got it. Very good. And as I sat there and I started to listen to what was happening in the office when I started, you know, my early days of staffing, you would hear these people walking down the hall talking to these physicians. And they'd be saying, you know, buddy, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to go to this place, and they really need help for this day. And they, and it was so informal, <laughs> it was shocking to huh. me, right? And it yeah. was really so relationship-based mm. that it really, um, it was very different. It was very different than what you would think, which is calling up and, you know, you're offering them a job right on the spot. Like, you're really developing the relationship. So that's what our recruiters do. Our recruiters call, and they may or may not be looking. They may or may not, you know, ever be looking. They might have a referral. They might have you know, passions to change their jobs in five years, they might just want to have a career conversation. Mm. All mm-hmm. of those conversations are happening. And all those conversations, not all of them result in putting someone to work right now. Right. But right. they all result in these wonderful relationships that really help us to just burrow deeper and deeper into the industry. I love And that. that's kind of the answer, believe it or not. Yeah, well, I was going to say, I love that relationships is uh, are at the the core really of this because you think about those guys walking through the hallway and talking to somebody like if they don't have if they don't really know like we were saying in the beginning who that person is if they just happen to be a good interviewer or have the credentials but not aren't the right fit so building that relationship over time they get to know that this guy is the right fit for this woman is the right fit for this company or this you know this firm so that's um i think that's quite the differentiator if yeah. i may say so myself yeah, so. and, we, and we'll be asked, to, you know, our advice. You know, they have some mm-hmm. people that have been, you know, in a lab. They're like, I'd really like to get out of the lab. Or mm-hmm. some people that want to get into the lab. So we're constantly on the lookout for, you know, what we can do to, you know, be impactful for their career. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you, I'm going to, I know Matt's chomping in the bit, but I have, I have one more question and if we'll see where it goes, but, um, I, we kind of have established a little bit of what's, you know, what's happening here with the company, but I really want to know, and maybe we can get back to it if we need to, but I really want to know about you and where you came from. I read that you have, well, of course, uh, uh, your first was a BA in accounting from Merrimack college and how you go from accounting you know, all the way up to all of the, you know, work that you've done and, and then sort of find this passion and, and here you are. But um, when you went to Merrimack College, what was the thought then? Were you going to just be an accountant or would you have other dreams at that point? Yeah, I was supposed to be a lawyer. Oh, okay. Yeah, there you I... Go. <laughs> I was supposed to be a lawyer. I love yeah. when people say I was supposed to be. <laughs> From and now when I was here a little girl, that was always the thing. So really? I cool. went in, I went into political science. I hated every single minute of it, <laughs> every minute. And I really liked this accounting class. Mm. And it was so serendipitous. There was this piece of paper that floated across my desk, and it was the last day to change your major Uh, as a sophomore. And I was in the accounting class. And I was like, yeah, I I just don't think I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. And mm. I spontaneously changed to, had never thought about it before, (laughs) other than seeing that piece of paper. And I said, I'm going to change to accounting. And I loved it. I mean, I loved playing with numbers. Mm -hmm. I loved seeing it all come together from that perspective. So... 
That was really fun. And so that was the plan. And so that all changed and that kind of left it to, okay, well, I guess I'm going to go down this accounting road. Mm. And um, then I went and I was a CPA for a bit and I, you know, explored that. And then um, I started auditing and I started to get into all these different companies. And I started to say, wow, if I really, if I want to kind of climb to the top of the ladder or be in those closed door meetings. Like I was like, what happens in those closed door meetings? I really want to be in those closed door meetings. <laughs> or do you? <laughs> where now, happens, I right? love it when people say I want a seat at the table. I'm like, do you though? Do, do you right, really? Right. Maybe you just want to be a fly on the wall. <laughs> Stay behind the door, right? <laughs> and so, um, and so really it was all about like, I really want to know what happens. Like how do all these decisions get made that I'm this like small cog in the process, you know, what happens? And so I started to say, okay, I have to go a different direction. So, um, and that's when I really started to move more towards finance and I started to really kind of expand and I decided to really, you know, I knew a lot about accounting and finance, but I decided to be more of a generalist. So every job I went in, I kind of just assumed that everybody reported to me Mm. all the time. So, um, you just, cause you have finance, like you Mm -hmm. have all the information. So I had no problem crossing over. And I think a lot of people do have that problem. They kind of stay in their lane. Mm -hmm. And I think what really helped my career is my kind of no boundaries, right? So if I was in finance and there was a problem anywhere in the company, I kind of felt like it was my territory. So that really (laughs) helped me to get loads of experience that I wouldn't have gotten otherwise. And I'm a big believer that, you know, you you make maybe a dozen decisions in your lifetime that really chart your course. Mm. And when you look back, you can really pinpoint those decisions. Oh, absolutely. I'm thinking of mine right now going, oh. (laughs) Right, you can. And it always requires that you took some sort of risk and a whole bunch of people probably doubted that you should do it Mm -hmm. and probably tried to talk you out of it, Mm -hmm. but you really kind of felt it. And, you know, you followed and you tried to really kind of stay to, maybe it's not something you love and maybe it is, but it's definitely probably something that you're good at and you're better than most at. And when you kind of chart those pieces and those jumps, that's kind of what brings you to where it is. So I took, you know, a bunch of risks with companies that I thought had a really, really strong value proposition. And fortunately, I made the right decision on those. I was able to really, um, you know, break some norms as it relates to people really, you know, gave me chances to do things that I had no business doing. And I had to, you know, rise to the occasion and never say no. So I remember, you know, one of the first times that I went in, and I didn't have a title, but I just loved this company. And the owner of the company said to me, you know, have you, I was, you know, it, it was a finance position. He's like, oh, have you ever done any modeling? I'm like, hmm. what? <laughs> and he meant financial modeling. Oh. And I'm like, oh. what? I didn't think that's what you meant. <laughs> yeah, I didn't either. So I'm like, why is he? And then he clarified pretty quickly. I'm like, oh, yeah, I have no problem doing that. I'd never done it, but I knew that I would rise to the occasion. So, you know, just never saying no, being open to the opportunity, asking for help. Um, you know, just those basic things, just all, and just having made the right moves mm. and, you know, talking to the right people and not listening to people that, you know, were not going to let you, you know, kind of break from the norm, because I think that makes everybody uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, what, those risks were huge. So what, what were the steps then, or those decisions that led you into staffing? And, and because that was obviously a huge um game changer for you. Oh my God, that was such a game changer. And that was a game changer for the company that I joined as well. <laughs> so at that point, because I was I was teaching, I was, I was basically semi-retired. I was teaching and I had a little consulting company that I was talking to some people and I get referred to 
to Medicus. And Mm -hmm. I started to go and meet with them and they were telling me about what they wanted to do. And I just really liked this group of people. Like they were really humble and really transparent. And so I didn't have any plans of being, you know, in staffing. And I met this company. I didn't even know what a locum was at that time. I didn't realize that doctors were not permanent employees of the companies that they were, you know, the hospitals that they were working at. Mm -hmm. So it was a huge education. And doing what I normally do, which is, you know, whether I'm a consultant or not, walking in and just assuming that everything is my territory, you know, I started making some people really angry. (laughs) 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 Because they had no business giving me any respect or credibility. I hadn't done anything. But over time, when you have a series of correct decisions, then all of a sudden people are like, all right, she's, I mean, I remember being in one position that there was a, a gentleman there that was like, why are we listening to the damn PhD? And the guy, you know, sitting next oh. to me goes, I think they're talking about you. I'm like, no, I think they are. <laughs> 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 so it was definitely um, a learning process for both of us. But I just, I love, and it, with every decision that I've made, I love the value proposition of what was happening at the company. And I loved the people. And I loved the energy. And I felt like I could do something to boost it. I never felt like I could recreate the wheel. I didn't have to for the decisions that I made. Mm-hmm. But I did feel like I could do something to change the way they were looking at the business. So, yeah, so our though that's what kind of led to, to staffing is a banker introduced me to the company saying this company could really use some, some help. And I met them and I was like, wow, I really like them. <laughs> so and that's where I ended up there. And then can you talk about the growth trajectory and what was key to Medicus becoming a a real leader in its industry? Yeah. You know, I think it really was just always having an eye on the data, which is not typical in staffing. Um, Staffing, they're really good at sales. They're really good at both sides of it. But really understanding the data and understanding the drivers of really what are driving the business and making sure you're managing those as opposed to just looking at the press clippings on the other end. Mm -hmm. So and you know, working really hard to stay ahead of it. So when I joined Medicus, it was all about getting ahead of what the numbers were telling us to do, which took a while to do because everything was all reactive. And, you know, you're just trying to figure out how this company had already gone through a pretty aggressive growth phase, had gotten to a point that it had to kind of reevaluate some stuff and then, you know, kind of be reactive to get yourself on the other end of it. But, you know, we really retooled the company and really created some wonderful systems where we could look at the company from different perspectives and make great decisions so that there are less speed bumps, less inefficiencies, and less mistakes as you go through the process. So a lot of it was really about just the right financial and data intelligence systems. And that was really, I think, the game changer. And so what are the lessons that you've learned from your time at Medicus that you are now bringing to this new venture? And where do you hope to take precision talent? Yeah. You know, I think diversification is a really important thing for us Mm -hmm. um, and really making sure that we're always looking at the company as a whole, building a team that has cohesive accountability to each other. And that, I think, is really, really important. We've been so fortunate as a smaller firm. We have about 25 people now Mm -hmm. that, you know, everybody knows everybody. We actually have a really good time together and we do a lot of you know, a lot of bonding and we still do icebreakers. Every time someone new comes on board, they laugh about it, but I think they actually secretly love it. <laughs> so <laughs> I do them myself personally. But, um, you know, just, you know, creating that cohesive accountability where you have that personal accountability and it's such a codependent um, industry where you're selling something to a client and you're relying on someone across the way from you to come up with a solution for this client. So you have two people that are collaborating for the client, and you're really depending on one another 
to really satisfy their clients, whether it's the client or the candidate. So making sure that you really have that cohesive accountability at every level. So whether it's personal, whether it's, you know, to the company metrics and what we've basically said, what this is what it takes to be successful here. And then ultimately to the company's goals. You know, if this is where we're going and, you know, we're planning on having a really, really aggressive growth trajectory, I hope to be at the top of your list for a long time. Um, and, you know, really continuing that trajectory and making sure that we're really, you know, continuing the growth. But that requires small things to be done right every single day. And that's really where we where we focus. We, you know, this year I we came into the year, and it's really about simplicity. Like we've gotten to the point that we've gone through the passion, we've gone through the drive, we've gone through the pain. Now we know the winning formula. So let's just focus on the basics. We know what needs to get done. Let's make sure that we're doing more of what we're good at and less of what we're bad at. Now, as we said at the beginning, workforce issues and trying to find talent continue to be the bane of most business owners right now. Um, it's holding back growth now because they just can't find enough people and the people they want. Um, from where you sit, what are you seeing? Are, is, is that uh, trend still very much ongoing? Is it waning? Uh, as businesses are trying to figure out, do we go still remote, hybrid, bring them back? Um, and as they look over their benefits packages and their culture, what does it take to attract talent nowadays? Yeah. So what COVID did bring is very much an emphasis on balance mm. to the workforce, for sure. So I think it's very, although there are still companies that do it, there are far more companies that create a sort of hybrid environment. Um, and I think that there's a lot of movement trying to come away from the fully remote so that there is that opportunity to come on site at least a couple of days a week to make sure that we're creating those bonds. So we're finding that this year, this this past half of 2022, a lot more companies have said, listen, we need to start bringing you back one day, two days. There's a lot of resistance. And when companies push too hard, they do lose people, which was very difficult in 2022. Because 22, 2022, the labor market was just absolutely so tight. And it was very, very difficult to find people. So our recruiters had a much tougher job than our salespeople um, because our recruiters are the ones that are talking to candidates and our salespeople are the ones talking to clients. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's always difficult. There's difficulties on both sides. But um, there were. it was much harder to get candidates to move because they got really comfortable. They found their balance and, you know, they were able to, to really find, um, you know, where they really could create the life that they wanted. Mm -hmm. um, so it was really difficult. There was a shortage of talent. Now we're actually seeing a bit of a shift and we're actually seeing a lot more candidates that are looking for work and they're looking to make change, whether it's because we're seeing changes in the marketplace that the, the hybrid is starting to become less remote or you're starting to see that, you know, with the things that are going on in the economy, you know, people aren't willing to pay the kind of money that they were. I mean, the types of signing bonuses that we saw last <laughs> year and the types of aggressive... Yeah. You know, tactics to get people to come on board was, I had never seen anything like it. Um, so that's all kind of curbing off a little bit. And I think mm -hmm. with every cycle, you kind of, you know, cycle into the next round. So we're seeing much more that it's much more, um, there are many more candidates available. So I think it's not going to be as easy to find them. That's in life sciences. Nurses, there's a persistent shortage. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think every every client has different drivers. It's up to us for, uh, you know, our sales team to understand what the drivers are and what type of a solution we can offer them. But there is a persistent shortage in healthcare, and there has been for as long as I've been in staffing. Yeah. 
But life science has those cyclicalities, and we're starting to see it now, for sure. And obviously, everyone has different drivers of what they're looking for. But are you seeing some common threads in terms of what candidates are really seeking in companies or in the companies that are succeeding in getting those candidates? Yeah. Yes. I think one of the top things that we're seeing is the ability to make decisions really quickly. So not to subject candidates through six hours of interviews when mm. this candidate likely has another job that they're trying to, you know, they're, they're trying to maintain until they find something else. So I think when candidates come in and they see a company that is decisive, is very, very clear on what they want, doesn't try to play games and really, you know, nickel dime when it gets to that offer process, that there's a clear understanding. And part of that onus is on us. Like we have to know what the candidate needs. And we have to know, we have to know that there's a match in that range mm. to be able to put something together that works for both parties. So I think, you know, a candidate has much more faith in companies that don't drag them through a process that might be seen as indicative of problems within the organization. So if it takes you know, five or six interviews to get, you know, a decision on a candidate, they might not be efficient with decision making mm. <laughs> in, uh, in other areas, hmm. maybe. Maybe. <laughs> so I think that, you know, the, the, the decisiveness and the speed mm -hmm. and, you know, really understanding what they want is really what gets candidates to the finish line, because I think they really kind of see that as an indication of how the company can be run. And that's, that's really what won the game um, in 2022 for candidates that really saw that. And why do companies turn to staffing firms? Mm -hmm. I mean, especially if they have HR departments of their own that are have hiring professionals in it. Why? What drives companies to seek out a staffing firm? And what should they be looking for in a staffing firm to make sure that they're going to work the right way for them? Yeah. So we do two types of staffing. So there's permanent staffing, which is you're looking for someone to permanently join your team. Mm -hmm. And then we also do contract staffing, which means you're getting into this contract. Let's say you're getting into this software implementation. You need a team of 10 to 12 people that needs to come in and have a very specific skill set, be highly experienced at what they do, and maybe only be there for six months, nine mm -hmm. months, or 12 months, sure. right? So there's the contract staffing and there's the permanent staffing. When we get asked to do the permanent staffing, it's for two reasons. It's either they don't have enough resources or they have so many needs that they can't keep up with it all, and they just don't have the time to spend on that recruiting. Because it does take a while. You have to build a pipeline of candidates. You have to have that relationship. You have to be at the right place at the right time. Very few people are just are getting their candidates if they're just putting a, a job up on LinkedIn and you know getting someone that applies. Mm. So there is a whole process, and a lot of people just don't have time to do that if they're carrying, you know, however many wrecks it takes to, to grow their organization. So high-growth companies are always going to need some sort of staffing company to help on the perm side, just because their HR division isn't going to be able to do all of it. So on the contract side, they're coming to us because we have expertise, and we have a bank of contractors that have been there, done that before. So they command a higher price because you're paying for their experience. So if you need someone who's, you know, built, you know, a certain project out and they've done it in the past and they can come in and do it as efficiently and effectively as possible, they should be calling a staffing company because for a hiring manager to be able to do that all on their own is just they have, they have much more important things to do in planning their project than to have to worry about putting together the team to execute the project. They should just hire someone and you know, select the right team. Mm -hmm. So that's, those are the reasons why people would use a staffing company is, you know, whether you're 
looking for expertise and you just don't have the network to pull it together or you just don't have the resources. And it really is, you know, a better use of their time to be able to work on the business rather than chasing down interviews. And so how do you go about figuring out what's the right staffing firm to match with? Yeah, so I think you interview them, you know, so if you don't already have a partner and you're coming out on you know, at the front of it, Mm. then I think you start to interview these. Listen, every hiring manager is getting called by seven or eight people a day, (laughs) right? So you're going to find someone who is, you know, calling you or emailing you or sending you some type of correspondence at just the right time and really starting to understand what differentiates them. We get asked that question very much right up front all the time. You know, what differentiates you as a company? Mm. How do you, how are you different from other companies? And give me some examples of you know, how you can really solve my problem and not be more of a, you know, a, an inefficiency to my whole day. So, and we've gotten really good at having examples and we have recommendations and referrals that, you know, people have really seen what we can do to really align with the company and really be an extension of them as opposed to, you know, someone who's really, you know, constantly, you know, tapping on their time and their resources. Mm. So, yeah, I think it really just comes down to, you know, being really honest about who we are and what we can do, and we might not be the right fit for everyone. So we work really hard to figure out what people need right ahead of time, whether it's, you know, what type of a culture person are you looking for? Are you looking for someone who's really, really, you know, strong, who's really, really, who's more of a, just a producer? You know, what is the level you're looking at? What is the expertise you're looking at? What is the culture fit you're looking at? Hmm. And we do take the time to understand that so that our success rate is quite high when we place someone on the permanent side. I love it. I love it. Um, You're a busy woman. You've got a lot going on. You're building this amazing business. Um, When you're not doing all that, what are you doing? What are you doing in community with family on your own? Who who are you otherwise? Yeah, well, I do a lot of mentoring for women. Nice. Um, So, you know, I have quite a few people that, you know, I really keep tabs on their career and really take a look at what they do and really help to mentor for success. You know, I think um, I think that's probably the most rewarding thing I do. And mm. I never say no when women call me and they're like, you know, I know someone that I'd like you to talk to, or can I bend your ear about something? That's something I find so much enjoyment in and just being able to really hear them out and hear the struggles that they're going through and just really help to coach them through some of the things that have worked for me or how I see the situation. So that's an unbelievable joy for me. Other than that, I have four kids who are wonderful. They range from 20 years old to 25 years old. Uh, um, so they're all in varying phases. I've got one buried, one engaged, and one graduating college this year, and one just entering college. Oh so, my gosh. Yeah, go. I've got quite the span. So yeah. we do some traveling, and nice. um, and I'm involved in some. My husband's my husband's a builder developer, and I'm involved in some aspects of his business mm-hmm. um, to really kind of help him to grow as well. He's ah. got some wonderful projects going. So <laughs> we're kind of yeah, we kind of have this wonderful portfolio of things that are that are keeping us all busy and you know not letting us keep our feet on the ground for too too long. <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's great. Yeah, otherwise, um, I'm very, very family-oriented. For me, it's all about family, and it's all about, you know, everything that we do, we really do with a focus on the future of the family and the future of the children and things like that. So then I even tell my employees, like, you know, listen, if we're in a meeting and my phone rings, it's I'm answering it. So if we're in a meeting and your phone rings, I expect you to answer it mm. if it's one of your kids. So Good. that um, has been really important through my entire career and helping you know, helping other people see that as well, whether it's in my business or through mentoring is really important for me. 
Awesome. Well, thank you for everything you do, for your family, for your community, for the economy. Uh, Christina Muse is Precision Talent Group's CEO and founder. It has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for sharing your Likewise, story. Likewise. It's been wonderful. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm honored. Thank it's you. our pleasure. Thanks again. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed the stories and information you heard on today's podcast, find more by subscribing to Business NH Magazine or visiting businessnhmagazine.com. I'm Matt Mowry. And I'm Nathan Carroll. BizCast NH is a production of Granite Media Group.